Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Friday has arrived. Happy Friday to you from all of us. Why am I singing, you may be asking yourself. RP3, way too early in the morning for your smooth, silky smooth vocal stylings. No, it's not. I'll tell you why. The Saints did exactly what we told you they were going to do. But more importantly than being right on what telling you they were going to do, which was going to be taking a, wait for it, wide receiver offensive lineman, is the fact that they did not take a quarterback in the first round, which means Kevin Foote's health is secured and we're good to go there. It will be a glorious morning. So that that alone is inspiring to have dance, have song in your heart and rhythm just wanting to come out of your body. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I am your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined here in the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We got a great show lined up for you today. Got a lot to get to. First round of the NFL draft in the books. Some su- some surprises. Some teams got aggressive. Some trades were made. Not the ones we expected, which always keeps things interesting. And of course, the Saints got their not one but two guys that they wanted. We're going to talk about that. We're going to touch on LSU Georgia baseball series at the box we're going to talk about the Houston Astros winning three straight as they head into Toronto that should be a tough tough series as they get to face off against their former teammate George Springer and of course the Pelicans falling short at home against the Phoenix Suns Suns played a little dirty all series long Chris Paul not endearing himself to his former fan base, for sure. The way he threw that elbow on Jose Alvarado last night. But he was also a possessed man out there, you know, not missing a single shot. Chris Paul did not miss a shot. We'll recap it all for you. we got a great lineup of guests. James Yasko will talk all things Astros with us, our friend from the Lima Time, po- uh, Lima Time, Time podcast. Mike Dettelier, our draft analyst, expert, will come on. He'll give us his thoughts on the first round. He'll also give us his thoughts on how the Saints fared in the first round and look ahead to tonight's second and third rounds. And, of course, we'll talk with John J. Hendricks, our friend from SI Now, recapping Saints draft night as well. 
We'll take your phone calls to close out the week. Game hotline is open as always. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to lead off today's show, NFL Draft, in particular, the Saints. They trade up as they love to do. They've only traded back once, and that was in 2007, in the last 15 years. They never trade back. Where Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and the leadership with the Minnesota Vikings are two teams in particular that always like to kind of trade back. They'll collect more picks. They value later round, later first round picks and second and third round picks more. That's what traditionally they do, and New England did it again last night. The Saints, their draft board is very small. It just is. They do a very nice job, in particular ever since Jeff Ireland came on board, where it feels like they have maybe 10 to 12 guys that they like. And it may not be the same guys everyone else likes. But they have 10 to 12 guys that they really focus in on and go, okay, these are the guys that we love. These are the guys that we want to be part of our franchise. If they fall to us or if we need to simply move up a little bit to get them, it's what we're going to do. That's how it feels. You know, you, you see some of those teams and they have hundreds and hundreds of guys on their draft boards and everything. And it just seems messy. The Saints seem concise. When they when they went on television last night to them, live in their draft room, they already had their pick in when they traded up to 11. Already had their pick in. They're standing up. They're all casual. You know why? Because they know what they're doing. And I've said it over and over and over and over again on these airwaves. To you out there listening in your vehicles, or on the free mobile app. Trust Mickey Loomis. They know what they're doing. They've had an enormous amount of success with their philosophy. They're not perfect. No front office is. Whether you're New England or Kansas City or Philadelphia, whoever it may be that's doing really well, no team is perfect with their front office decisions when it comes to the draft. But the best ones are consistently really good and consistently make smart decisions. And this is what the Saints did again. And this is what the Saints did again. They loved Chris Olave. Reports were coming out for weeks that they were extremely high on the young man from Ohio State. That they thought he was something special, the wide receiver. And sure enough, they found a trade partner, the Washington Commanders. And what did the Saints have to give up to go from 16? They had two first-round picks to begin the night at 16 and at 19. They had a second-round pick at 49. They had a third and a fourth as well. The Saints call up the Washington Commanders, say, hey, what is it going to take for us to get up to number 11? Because the run on wide receiver had started to begin. It was a little bit later than some people thought, but it started to begin. Well, this is what they had to give up. 
They gave up their number 16 overall pick, their third-round pick, and their fourth-round pick this year, and that's it. That's all it took. The commanders didn't want to be in that spot. They wanted to trade down. They valued a third and a fourth-round pick, and the Saints said, thank you very much. They went up there. They got their stud wide receiver from Ohio State, who they wanted, who they coveted, and they were able to keep not only their number 19 pick, in the first round last night, they were able to keep their second round pick. That's all it took. The only thing they had to do is swap first round picks and throw in a third and a fourth. And I've said this for weeks. This is a team that feels they are a few impact players away from being a playoff team and being a contender. Remember, they nearly made the playoffs last year and it came down to the final week of the season, and they played four different quarterbacks throughout the season and didn't have Michael Thomas and had two bouts of COVID that impacted the team. And yet, in spite of that, they still nearly made the playoffs. The NFC is weaker based on what happened this offseason. The front office, the leadership of the New Orleans Saints believes they are a few impact players away from being a a contender. So giving up a third and a fourth is nothing for them because they believe the guy that they're selecting with the number 11th overall pick is going to be one of those few impact players they need. And then they turn around and they wait at 19 and they get the offensive tackle they wanted as well. Trevor Pinning from Northern Iowa, a massive human being. They love getting their guys from smaller schools. This isn't from, you know, the Big 12 or the Big 10. This is a guy from the FCS level, Northern Iowa. Just like they've gotten guys like that in the past, Teron Armstead from Arkansas Pine Bluff or Jahari Evans. They love taking guys from the FCS level, and guess what? They got their big fella again. So there they sit after round one. They got their wide receiver. They got their left tackle. There you go. They are three impact players away from being contender. They got two of them last night in the first round. Oh, and by the way, they still have their second round pick tonight. Number 49. And they can use that on a running back if they like. Or they could use that on a safety. They could use that on a linebacker. Now they have the luxury of using that second round pick probably on best player available. Or if they really like someone out there, they'll go grab them. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, there's still a slew of veteran players out there that are free agents that the Saints can go sign after the draft is done. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Chad, to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Man, what a great, great morning after the draft. Usually I'm disappointed the last four or five years uh, in their first-round picks, man. Uh, this came as a surprise because usually, Raymond, they don't do what everybody kind of thinks they're going to do. That's or right. they should do, at least, at least what the fans uh, think they should do. And I think this time, I don't want to say they got it right because, like you said, they're they're, they're, they're geniuses when they come to the draft, but I think uh, every Saints player, every Saints fan um, are pleased. Raymond, I would 
running back with good tread left on his tires, a young running back, 19, 20 years old. And with those receivers uh, that we have, um, it, it can be very potent. But I think you definitely need to go after running back. And that offensive lineman they got is massive. Uh, that's a big human being. One more thing, Raymond. Isn't it kind of funny how the NFL, every time the Saints went to pick, they had this kind of special thing before, I, and they uh, always used it on the Saints pick. And make it and, uh, and make the Saints delay their pick, yeah. Uh, I, I, I found and, that to be and, hilarious. It's, it's unbelievable, and I don't think they showed their draft room uh, like they did every – unless I missed it. I could be wrong. Um, but they showed everybody else's draft room. When it came to the Saints, they always did something different, man. But uh, – I don't know. I think it's uh, uh, NFL. Someone still doesn't like uh, the Saints or Roger Goodell. Put it that way, man. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Chad. Have a great day. Yeah, it, it did seem that way watching the draft coverage. I was like, oh, look, we're going to keep delaying the Saints pick and not show that. <laughs> that was curious. But look, the, it, Chad does have a point. You know, a lot of times in the past, you know, last couple of years, Saints fans wanted them to take Patrick Queen, the linebacker, in the first round. They didn't. Uh, last year, they thought they wanted him to take a quarterback or a wide receiver. They didn't. That, that's why I always say, trust Mickey. He's done nothing in his entire tenure, 20 years, at the helm of leading the front office of the New Orleans Saints, overcoming everything. He's done a better job as the years have progressed. He's brought you a Super Bowl championship. He's made the Saints a perennial playoff team year in, year out. Just trust Mickey, man. That's all you have to do is trust Mickey. Chris Olave, number 11, got the wide receiver that they coveted. Then they take the big fella, and he is a big old boy, too. Woo! That's a big hoss, Trevor Penny, from northern Iowa at 19. And don't forget, they still have number 49, in tonight's second round, middle of the second round, they'll get to pick yet again. Would not be surprised if they trade up even in the second round. They like to be aggressive. That means giving away a future third-round pick to make it happen. They'll do it all day long because, once again, they believe they're a few impact players away from being a contender. They believe they got two of them last night. Tonight, they'll get the third. We got to take a timeout. Talk more about the NFL draft coming up. Once again, game hotline is open. You want to get those phone calls in, feel free to do so. Give us a call, 1-337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
The Saints get their man at wide receiver and their man at offensive tackle in last night's draft. Drafting Chris Olave out of Ohio State, the wide receiver. They traded up from 16 to 11 to grab him. Only had to give up a third and a fourth to make it happen. And, of course, they swapped their picks. And then at 19, they took the big fella, the mountain of a man, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. And guess what? They got two impact players at two positions of need. What? And they still have their second round pick tonight, which they can use however they want to. Do they want to go at running back? Do they want to maybe get a young quarterback? There's plenty available because only one was selected in the first round. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could they go DB? They need some safety help. You can't have enough corners in the National Football League. Or do they go D-line linebacker? That's our poll question of the day. What position should the Saints draft with their second round pick? We want to hear from you. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter right now. We'll keep taking your phone calls. I know we got people waiting patiently to, to get on the air, to chop it up to talk about the New Orleans Saints draft. Once again, that number is 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on James first. James, good morning to you, brother. What is on your mind, my friend? Good morning, Mr. RP3. The NFL season is officially kicked off, but I couldn't be happier. Absolutely, uh, I, brother. I, I Absolutely. Think- I think there's more intrigue in the second round. I think I'm more excited than the first round. Uh, I'd love to see him uh, maybe get the safety Brister there. I would love to see him trade up and and maybe get another second-round pick. I I, I love Matt Corral. I'd love to see him build for the future. But the biggest thing I like is that they're putting the weapons around JW so he can succeed or not. They need to know if he's their guy or not. They got him protection. They got him a weapon. I think they're going to do some more of that, and I'm just looking forward to tonight. I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, I'd like to see them maybe move uh, Pondwater out. There's some trades. <laughs> a lot of players were going that, that make me happy as could be. Well, we'll see if that uh, that happens, brother. Appreciate the phone call, James. Have a, a great day and enjoy your weekend, bud. All right, bye. Yeah, I want to touch on that. I know we got Martin waiting, and we'll get to uh, Martin just in a few few moments, but I want to talk about what James brought up. They could go in a different, a lot of different directions. Could they go quarterback now? They could. They, they, they really could because teams did not reach for quarterbacks last night. And that was the big surprise. Pickett is the only guy that was selected in the first round. He fell to 20 to Pittsburgh. The Steelers took the, you know, in-state guy, the guy who plays his home college games right there at Heinz Field. And they already have a guy on there, Mitchell Trubisky. So Trubisky will be the bridge quarterback for Pittsburgh as they take time to bring Kenny Pickett along. Could the Saints use this second-round pick on a quarterback? Sure. Malik Willis fell to the second round. Matt Corral, who James brought up, going to be a second-rounder. Or they could use it on running back. They, they could go a lot of different ways here in the second round. But the great thing about all of that is this. 
their two biggest positions of need they addressed last night with their picks. So this is almost Lanyap. You'd like to see them maybe go after a safety. But they could also be working on a deal with Tyron Matthew behind the scenes that we're not aware of. So maybe they're not targeting safety. They they signed a bunch of safeties in the offseason doing free agency. Brought in Sorensen, who's more of a Jeff Heath backup special team guy. And they brought in Marcus May. I could see them going safety there in the second round. Absolutely. I could see them going D-line linebacker in the second round. They could go running back. Hell, they could even go quarterback. But now they have the flexibility to take best player available, which they like to do. They like to do. Whether or not they can find a trade partner for Pondwater, uh, I don't know. I think that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Morning, man. It's a glorious Friday morning, like Kevin Foote would say. I bet you I bet you he slept like a kid <laughs> on Christmas Eve last night, huh? Oh, that, that, I was texting they, him. They, I, I was texting him, brother. Got, you were texting him? I, I texted him five names last night. I was like, man, did you? I kept texting. I was like, are you sure you didn't check on Kevin Foot? Make sure his heart's still beating. Because <laughs> do you think he got a little bit nervous when, when, when the Saints traded up uh, about they were taking a quarterback? Or do you think he was... He was like, "Oh no, this has got to be for a wide receiver." No, he was he 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 was freaking out a little bit. He <laughs> was freaking out. He was freaking out. He was freaking, uh, out. Anyway, he was freaking out a little uh, bit. Yeah. Say that again. I said he was freaking out a little bit, bud, but he was happy with the pick. Right, I called in, man. Um, so I'm a diehard hard Cowboys fan. Uh, I think the Eagles got a lot better. I think uh, this year is going to be. Uh, put, like put up a shut up here for Jalen Hurts because now he got he don't got no excuse um, because they traded you know for AJ Brown last night and it, of course they got Devonte Adam I mean Devonte Smith as uh, their other wide receiver so if he don't put up good numbers this year I think he's out but yeah the uh, NFC and then the Giants uh, drafting um, Evan Neal and then uh, Kevion Thibodeau I mean it's gonna be a competitive uh division this year uh but yeah i just kind of wanted to touch on that and then you also have your washington commanders you know i mean but yeah i just wanted to touch on that this morning and it's a glorious friday morning and not only did his saints have a good draft first round draft his astros also won last night buddy that they did that they did martin appreciate the phone call brother enjoy your day and your weekend my friend you too buddy have a good one yeah, and as for the Saints, look, the, the run started to begin on wide receiver. Drake London out of USC goes to the Falcons at eight. And then Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State goes to the Jets at 10. And, and by the way, shout out to the both the Jets and the Giants. They actually drafted smart last night, which is typically not like them. You could say the Jets may have had the best first round of anyone because they were able to get three impact players right off the bat. Darren, I know he's listening. Your Jets may have won the first round, my friend. They did an exceptional job with their drafting. And credit the Giants. They needed pass rusher, and they needed an offensive lineman. And that's what exactly what they did with their two first-round picks, their two first-round picks that were actually in the top ten. And teams didn't reach for quarterbacks. 
it seemed like most teams were sensible. But once those two first, those two first wide receivers came off the board with Drake London to USC from USC and then Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, the Saints had to move up. And they weren't the only ones thinking about moving up as well. As we found out, the Lions, who took Hutchinson with the number two overall pick, made a ton of sense, right? That's a great move by the Lions to get the Michigan pass rusher, gets to stay home and play for the Lions. They, then they got aggressive and jumped up and traded with Minnesota at 12 to get Jamison Williams out of Alabama wide receiver. So the, the Saints knew they had to make a move. They jumped in there got their guy that they wanted, that they targeted. They could have taken Jamison Williams. He was available. They could have taken Jahan Dotson. He was available. They didn't. They picked the guy that they wanted. They got after it. And then they were able to just to stay put and have one of the offensive linemen that they liked fall to them right there at 19. Aggressive yet patient at the same time. Paid off in a big way for Mickey Loomis and company. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on, James Wright to the show. James, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Good morning, uh, man. I mean, last night, man, it was it was it was a pretty solid draft, not only for the Saints but for a lot of other teams in, in the NFL, yeah. and and for all of the talk uh, from the point of saying that, hey, man, this this draft is not, you know. It's not the best. It's not the you know top heavy and whatnot. I saw a lot of teams that got better with their picks last night, as you were just as you were just stating. Uh, you know, uh, being that teams didn't get didn't get uh, crazy and start trading up to get these quarterbacks, uh, they they went with the, sen- the sensible picks and kind of helped their football teams. Uh, went now when the Saints <clears throat> traded up to eleven. Something interesting happened because I was like, man, they trading up. I didn't necessarily think they were trading up for a wide receiver. Even though the two wide receivers had went off the board, I was like, man, are they trading up to get the safety from Notre Dame? Notre Dame. I thought the same thing. I I thought they were trading up to get Kyle Hamilton. That's what I thought, too. I was like, wow, we we gonna end up with with a massive with a with a man in the middle of the defense. And then they got Chris Olave. So then I was like, okay, that was my guy. That was the guy I had targeted all along. And then we we started going down to nineteen and I was like, man, could they get Kyle Hamilton at nineteen? Wouldn't that be, you know, a, a great draft as well. But I was overall I was happy with the uh with the pinning pick at the left tackle position. Uh, I think it's a little vibe, a, a need for sure. Uh, I thought maybe the left tackle was probably the, the top need, uh, but but you sat back and 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 you you waited at 19 and you got your guy anyway. So I say an A plus for the Saints for sure. Uh, I like what Atlanta did, going get Drake London. Uh, now they have two formidable wide receivers on that team. Well, one is a tight end and one is a wide receiver, and those guys are two giants, and we don't have to deal with them. But luckily, we we do match up well with what they're trying to do. But uh, they they do well. They just have to add a quarterback. Um, and uh, I don't know. We'll just have to see, man. I'm I'm, I'm anxious to see what they do with the uh, with the teams do with the uh, 49th pick. Like you said, they they could add a safety. They could go a myriad of different ways. 
Uh, I think they should go running back because uh, that would that would help to bolster the offense as well and give and, and give something that I think we actually need more so. Even with Kamara there, I think we need a running back to to kind of help take the load off of Kamara. Absolutely, and, brother. Uh, I got I got to hit a timeout, but I appreciate the phone call though. You enjoy your weekend, right, my friend. Y'all, y'all have a good one. Yeah, and quickly before we hit the timeout, we all thought and pundits were telling you. Packers Chiefs, they lost their number one wide receivers. They're going to be trading up to get a wideout. They're going to draft wideouts. Do you know what the Packers did with their two first-round picks? They drafted, hold on, wait for it, an inside linebacker from Georgia. (laughs) And, wait for it, a defensive tackle from Georgia. That's what Green Bay did. Hey, Aaron Rodgers, you lost your three top receiving targets. We're drafting defensive players. And the Chiefs, they did the same thing. The Chiefs actually traded up. They took the cornerback out of Washington, McDuffie, at 21, and then they sat back and took a defensive end at 30 out of Purdue. Out of Purdue. Big emphasis on pass rushers, DBs, only one quarterback taken in the first round, and no running backs. So if the Saints wanted to go running back in the second round, they'll have plenty of good choices available to them. Got to take a timeout. Keep those phone calls coming. Want to hear from you. Draft night. First round in the books. Game hotline. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultured marble factory. And look, they pride themselves on earning your business. LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops, though, for your kitchens and your bathrooms. They also can take your outdoor living spaces or your man caves to the another level. That's right. They can help transform your outdoor living space or your man cave into the envy of your neighborhood, neighborhood during game days this fall while you're cheering on LSU or UL or McNeese or the Saints. Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com today or, you know what, stop by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it. They will. Poll question of the day. 
It's all about what the Saints should do with their second-round pick right now. They did such a good job yesterday, last night. They got their wide receiver at 11, had to trade up from 16 to 11 to get them, only gave up a third and a fourth to do so. They got their wide receiver, Chris Olave, out of Ohio State. You know they love them Buckeyes. Then they stood pat, got their big tackle out of Northern Iowa. They love taking guys from that level. Remember Teron Armstead, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Jahari Evans, smaller school as well. They love those guys across their offensive line. Do I think he's ready to play right now? No. Is he a perfect prospect? No. But they like Hurst enough to start at left tackle. They can bring the young man around and let him kind of get his feet underneath him and develop him. And don't forget, Doug Marone is now in New Orleans as the offensive line coach. He is a guru when it comes to fixing offensive linemen and developing them. That's the other part of this. He can make him into a legit NFL starter, probably is also going to be expected to fix Cesar Ruiz as well. But now that they got their wide receiver and their O-lineman, what are they going to do with their second-round pick? They still have their second-round pick. They didn't have to give them up. Well, now they can go a multitude of different ways. Running back, defensive back, quarterback, or D-lineman linebacker. Get somebody else in the front seven. You know they love doing that. Right now, 39% of you say D-line linebacker, 22% apiece for quarterback and defensive back, and 17% of you say running back. I would not be surprised if they go running back. Let's get to some quick comments here. JPK, the OD, says, QB if Corral is there. If not, best player available. Mackerel may be there. Brad on Twitter says, thrilled with their first-round picks. Olave is the wide receiver. I hope they get second-round pick. Anybody but a quarterback. Ton on Twitter says, I'd go D-line linebacker in the second round. Still good value on the board. Meanwhile, I'm impressed by the Saints draft pick so far and glad no quarterback was taken. Darren says, what about the Michigan State running back? Ooh, he is a good runner too. Oh man, if you could get him in the second round, that'd be a home run. Astro Gumbo says D-line. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they go D-line. I really wouldn't. It would not surprise me at all. They go defensive line because they love stacking up on that side of the line. And then Cajun fan says, a safety. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Doug. Doug, good morning to you, brother. Thank you for patiently waiting, my friend. What's on your mind? Morning, Ray. Morning. I'm with Chad, Ray. I I think finally after all these years, you know, the Saints pick the way that we all thought that they should. Uh uh, going, being the first ones to move on the board, I'm sure Foot was having a, a panic attack. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Feel sorry for that man, man. Uh, but yeah, they should. They'll probably be a defensive player, Ray, and they will go for a linebacker, maybe a safety. Yeah. Uh, but the, I, I thought it was just outstanding, an outstanding move. I, I loved it. And Ray, what are the Bengals doing, Ray? Their first pick, they're going to take a safety. Hey, look, I, I can understand. They want to get rid of Apple. But a safety? I mean, Joe, aren't they listening to Joe Burrow's knee cricking and cracking as he's walking down the hall to the training room? To, to be fair to the Bengals, though, Doug, they did, you know, they signed three offensive linemen in the offseason. So oh, they did? Yeah, so oh. they're, they're, they, they, they addressed their needs oh, for this okay. team in free agency, and they were very aggressive 
and they locked up, I, I want to say, at least two, probably three offensive linemen. And look, and they still may take another offensive lineman and some backup offensive linemen uh, in the second mm-hmm. and third rounds as well. So, yeah, th- yeah. They, they, they were able to address their biggest need in free agency. And then I don't think they liked any of the linemen that were there. They didn't think there were still first-round grades there. So they went with safety there at 31. Probably. Yeah, get rid of Alpha. Thanks for setting me straight on that, Ray. Not a problem, Doug. Enjoy your day, brother, and enjoy your weekend, my friend. Okay, you too, buddy. Yeah, it does feel like the Saints are probably going to go defense in the second round. That's what it kind of feels like. Once again, their head coach is their former defensive coordinator. And they brought in some guys. They brought in Sorensen from Kansas City. But once I said, like I said before, he's more of a Jeff Heath type, right? He's a he's a special teamer. Marcus May is not the same player as Marcus Williams, not only because they have different last names, but because they have different skill sets. May's more of a thumper than Williams was. But they also brought back PJ Williams. So could PJ just be the starting safety? And you could have Marcus May in a rotation. They have some flexibility there. Plus, they've been linked a lot to Tyron Matthew. But I still would not be surprised whatsoever if the second-round pick is not spent on a running back or a quarterback, but instead they go D-line or linebacker. I could see that. They're really high on Pete Werner, the young man out of Ohio State. Imagine that, another Buckeye. They love, they love drafting Ohio State players. This is what that is their jam. That 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 is what they enjoy more than anything else in the world is getting to the draft and going, okay, which Ohio State Buckeye are we going to take this year? Because that's what they like to do. But I would not be surprised whatsoever if they decide to go D line or linebacker. I just wouldn't. Because it just it just kind of makes sense for them. It's what they do. It's just what they do. And here's the thing. It continues that Buckeyes pipeline to New Orleans. He becomes the 17th Ohio State player the Saints have drafted in their franchise history. And it's the fifth Buckeye they've selected in the past several years. They took Pete Werner, the linebacker, in 21. They took cornerback Marshawn Lattimore in the first round in 17. They took Michael Thomas and Vaughn Bell in the second round, wide receiver safety in 16. They like what that program delivers. And Ohio State delivers NFL-ready guys, like LSU does, like Alabama does, and like a few others do. So they keep it going. Big surprises for me, not necessarily with any of the draft picks that anyone took. I was not surprised that there was a run on wide receivers. What I was surprised is that only one quarterback was taken, and that was not until 20. No one reached for a quarterback. They typically always do. They always do. You can always depend on someone reaching to get that quarterback. They did not. I've said this for weeks. Experts would tell you this as well. The quarterbacks were really second-round guys. This notion that anyone would take them in the early first round, I just didn't buy. I was slightly surprised that the Panthers decided not to go quarterback. They went with offensive tackle. People were pretty conservative for the most part with their picks. 
There were some rumblings about Derek Stingley Jr., the All-American corner from LSU, going to the Texans at three. But they're in a rebuild, in a desperate rebuild, and they need impact players. And if Stingley can be healthy, he can be that guy for them. Absolutely can be that guy for them. And also, my one big head-scratcher kind of belongs to the Tennessee Titans. Look, A.J. Brown... They weren't going to be able to re-sign him. I get what they did, but they traded him to Philly. Philly automatically gave him like a four-year extension. Another way overboard paid wide receiver. And then they take a guy that's kind of comparable to him in the first round. So I get it. They took Burke out of Arkansas. But I was like, eh. And you had a couple of wide receivers. Hollywood Brown was also traded. Baltimore traded him. So I was like, huh, okay. Some interesting moves there with wide receivers. It's been a weird offseason with wide receivers. They've been traded, and then when they get to their new teams, they're getting massive deals. So it's like the team that had them didn't want to pay them, but yet they always find somebody else to do so. It's kind of been weird there with the wide receivers. We got to take a timeout. We'll close out our number one here on RP3 and Company. That's next. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio there in Abbeville. Oh, man, you're going to have a good time there because this is why. Richard Seafood Patio has some of the best boiled crawfish but also serves up delicious boiled shrimp and crabs. They have fried and grilled seafood as well, burgers, steaks, po' boys, and a seafood buffet. Woo, man, I'm hungry. Are they open now? Let's make it happen. Go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. But you can only win that bad boy by going to sign up for our rewards club, once again, at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let's check in on our poll question of the day. With the Saints selecting Chris Olave, at number 11, wide receiver out of Ohio State. And then they took the big fella out of Northern Iowa at 19. They got wide receiver offensive tackle addressed. Done. Where do they go now? They got a second-round pick at 49 tonight. What should what position should the Saints draft with that second-round pick? 44% of you say they should go D-line, linebacker. Take a guy in the front seven. Would not be surprised if that's the case, especially with Dennis Allen, new head coach of the Saints, being, wait for it, the longtime defensive coordinator. 22% of you say DB, 19% say quarterback, 15% say running back. Look, there's going to be a ton of great players available there at those spots in the second round. You're going to be able to get a really good running back or defensive back, linebacker, defensive lineman, Whatever you want to get, it's going to be there for you. Because the way the first round shook out, a lot of guys fell. A lot of those offensive guys, you want a running back, they fell. Not a single one was taken in the first round. You want to go get yourself a quarterback for the future because you don't believe Ian Book's the guy? 
or that Jameis Winston's the guy, hey, you can get one there in the second round. Hell, if you want to take another wide receiver, you can. They're available as well. So they're going to have a lot of different things that they can do there. And that's what happens when you draft smart in the first round. You have the flexibility like they're going to in day two. Marden says on Facebook, I think Spiller out of Texas A&M would be a good pick in the second round. But how's this cat, Sauce Gardner, going to cover wide receivers when he couldn't find the stage last night? (laughs) Hell, sorry. Had to throw that in. But watch out, RP3. I'm in the process of recruiting five names to become a Dallas Cowboys. Contract talks are in the works. LOL. My man's trying to get five names to be a Cowboys fan. I don't think that's going to work out, Martin. Sorry, bud. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with James Yasko talking all things Astros. They were big winners last night. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Saints got their two men. Wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State had to trade up from 16 to 11 to grab him, but only had to give up a third and a fourth to do so. Then they stood pat and waited for the big fella out of Northern Iowa tackle to follow them at 19. They have a second-round pick still left. They're only a few impact players away from being a contender. I've been telling you that's how they view this. Who will they select in the second round tonight? What position should they draft in the second round tonight, rather? Is it running back? Is it quarterback? Is it D-line linebacker, front seven, or is it DB? We want to hear from you with our poll question of the day. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Obviously, we spent all of the first hour talking about the NFL draft. Last night, not only did the Saints do well, but I can't believe I'm saying this, the New York Jets drafted well, and teams didn't reach for quarterbacks, which is surprising. And the one that did take a quarterback is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Interesting. Very interesting. Derek Stingley Jr., the LSU All-American cornerback and a member of that 2019 National Championship team, he's headed to Houston to play for Lovey Smith and company. We'll see if any more Tigers get taken off the board today. Will Raging Cajun tackle Max Mitchell? Hear his name called maybe in the third round today. We'll keep you posted throughout the day. Draft coverage at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We'll have second round and third round action posted for you tonight. But you know what? The Houston Astros, they won yesterday as well. Three in a row. 
began the week with a disappointing loss to the Texas Rangers, then turned around and have now won three straight to get above 500 as they appear to start having turned a corner. They beat the Rangers yesterday 3-2. to two. Kyle Tucker, he's been having a good start to the season, hit a tie-breaking pinch hit home run in the eighth while Verlander was dealing, gave up only one run earned, striking out eight Rangers as he picked up the win. Houston begins a three-game series tonight at Toronto. First pitch is set for 6.07, and you can listen to it on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. But to talk more Houston Astros is our good friend from the Lima Time Time podcast and Houston Chronicle contributor, the one and only Mr. James Yasko joins us now. James, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, Doing well, doing well. I said it earlier in the week that uh, losing over the weekend like the Astros did and losing another series, the only thing that really ailed them, what could cure their ails, would be playing a four-game series against the Texas Rangers. And sure enough, they win the series by taking three of four. Uh, What stood out to you about this series with the Rangers? Uh, I guess Monday, the first game that the, 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 uh, you know, East Fort Worth Rangers uh, did win. You know, I, I, I sort Fort of tweeted Fort out. Fort I'm like, the, the Astros need to recognize that there there are those among their fan base who have to have relationships with with Rangers fans, and they have to interact with Rangers fans. Uh, and if they could if they could figure that out and make it a little bit easier on a, on 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 those of us that that are in that camp, then that that would be great. And and they did. They obliged, and, and I very much appreciated that. <laughs> what about? No. What you see from the, the pitching now, bud? In that yeah, no, that's that's that I I should have one one of these days I'm going to give an actual answer uh, first off and not just go for the obvious joke. Uh, the the pitching the the pitching was great, and 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 it 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 sort of feels like the Rangers were kind of that slump buster uh, team where you had you you really needed to have good starts from from Framber Valdez and from Jake Odorizzi. Uh, and, and, and you got that. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that, that Odorizzi's job was on the line in his start against, against, uh, the, the West Forney Rangers. But, but I, I do think, uh, that, that he needed that and his job was meant for me, his job was on the line. If if he was going to go out and, and get shelled and, and not, not make it out of the third, you know, against the Rangers, then, then I was, that's that's just twenty percent of the game of the Astros games that that that, that I'm going to be free for. Like I'm not going to watch those games if, if he got if he got lit up like Times Square. So so it was good to see some of those guys that that you really need to contribute over the course of the season kind of get back on the horse uh, and and turn in a good start. What about Verlander's performance yesterday? I mean, this is a guy that's coming off Tommy John surgery and he's looked really really strong to start the season I know they're going to be careful with him I know they're not going to overdo it but he looks like man he is just uh, he he does not look like he's 40 years old he just doesn't yeah no it's it's anytime Verlander it seems like anytime there's a, a day game with Verlander like everyone's kind of on perfect game watch uh and and one thing that I think works that has worked to Verlander's benefit is that that he got injured almost two years ago, uh, and and got Tommy John and and one hundred percent took his time getting back. And I know that 
you know, I, and I was sort of clamoring for, for Verlander to come back in a, in a relief role, you know, for the postseason last year. Uh, and it, it, so far, it looks like, you know, that, that would have, then that was the right call to make because he looks as sharp as he ever has. What do you make of what you're seeing from the line lineup in particular from the young man who's had to replace Carlos Correa? It's, it's been positive. Uh, you know, and every now and then, you know, you get that sort of, uh, um, you know, where, where you, it's, it's, you sort of like, if you have an ex-girlfriend and you, you just check on Facebook and see, see what she's up to and, you know, has she gone to jail and, and is she doing meth now? Um, the, you get on baseball reference or you get on ESPN or MLB.com and you check and, you know, how's George Springer doing? Uh, how's Carlos Correa doing? And, and Correa's kind of struggling a little bit and, and Pena, you know, what's, you see this a lot with a rookie where they start off hot and then the league kind of catches up with them. But, but it looks as though, you know, Pena's getting on base. You know, he got, he got hit by a pitch yesterday uh, and, but still got on base and he's doing what you need him to do. And, and we've talked about this before where you don't need Jeremy Pena to, to be Carlos Correa. The lineup is built to where you're not, you know, I mean, and again, like Correa was hitting six, like you're not, they were not replacing, you know, a, a three hole hitter, a cleanup hitter, you know, one of those big time middle of the order uh, bats, you know, they just, they just need him to go out and be solid. And, and he has, he has exceeded those expectations. What do you make of how the rest of the lineup is performing? Any concerns or any pleasant surprises? Uh, I mean, you know, with, with Chaz McCormick, you know, the, a questionable decision to put him in the leadoff spot. Um, you know, if, if you can, if you can tread water until you get Jordan Alvarez really going until you can get uh, Jose Altuve back from his rehab, he looks like he's, he's going to be with Sugarland this weekend in Oklahoma city and then rejoin the team on Monday. Um, once you get everyone, if, if you can just sort of stay up, stay afloat and, and get everyone back and everyone clicking, Tucker is starting to heat up. Um, like I promised he would, uh, then, then no, you're, everything's, everything's going fine. And it, it's not been the easiest, uh, April schedule wise, as far as playing division rivals, you've got the blue Jays, which might be the best that the, if there is a lineup that rivals the Astros lineup, it's the, it's the Blue Jays, and you, and you get them twice, uh, you know, before the beginning of May. So so it's 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 going it's going okay. We're talking with James Yasko of the Lima Time Time Podcast. He joins us here on RP Three and Company, talking all things Stros. Let's talk about this series against the Blue Jays. You just faced them at home. Now you need to go get to go into the Great White North and take them on. Springer has been coming on of late for them. And they have a nice mix of young guys and some vets on that roster. They're, you know, battling the Yankees right now atop the AL East. What's the biggest challenge that Toronto presents the Astros or any team for that matter? They're just so deep. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you look and you look at, if you just look at the schedule and you're like, oh man, the Astros lost two or three at home. Uh, to the Blue Jays. Well, th those are all one-run games, and you know they they got the walk off on that on that Sunday game. But but the other two games were were in reach, like the the and so either, you can look at it one of two ways: either uh, the Blue Jays went toe to toe with the Astros and took a series, or 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 if you're more worried about the Blue Jays come October, uh, the Astros went toe to toe with with the Blue Jays without Altuve 
uh, and without, you know, some some key pieces in that in that lineup. So um, these series are always fun, kind of these early season matchups. Um, and of course, if should they should these two teams meet in October, we're going to look back at at what happened, you know, last weekend and this weekend, and completely forget that that five months had gone by since they'd each seen each other. So, the, but it's it's a good little early season kind of measuring stick uh, for for the team. Let's go beyond the Astros. The start of the year is very interesting to me. I see a lot of teams kind of coming out sluggish. You have the Mets leading the NL East, which is kind of a surprise. The The AL Central is a bit of a dumpster fire right now. I know Chicago has had to deal with a slew of injuries, and that's part of their slow start. But what do you make of what you've seen early on here through about, you know, 16, 17 games? I think you're – I mean, it's – it was a shortened spring training. Uh, some guys, some guys can can ramp it up pretty quickly. Some guys need you know need a little bit longer. Um, you know, if, if you're going off of a normal a normal length of a spring training, like the season would be starting about now. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So you know, everyone everyone's going to deal with uh, with injuries. You know, and it, it just kind of when when do they pop up and how do you manage them? Uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to go all out in April and May and end up losing like somebody, so, some key component of your team, you know, for, for the duration of the season or, or losing them long-term. So I think you're just sort of seeing this normal, you know, I don't know that any team right now you can look and be like, yeah, that's who they are. Like everybody's dealing, dealing with something or they're, they're out, <clears throat> outperforming expectations uh, like, like Hannah's favorite uh, long-suffering Hannah's favorite team, uh, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, and Mariners have been playing uh, very good baseball to start the season. Let's talk about the letter that was finally unveiled to the public uh, concerning the New York Yankees. And I, I wasn't seeing my blood pressure. I was in a good place. RP three. I was in a. I was in a really good place. It's Friday. I was excited. Uh, and and now now I'm looking for that blood pressure. Uh, Did you just cup. disappear right. there? He just starts walking off the Zoom call. I I was surprised that more wasn't revealed. It, it, I wasn't stunned by the letter because it's what we all expected it to be, at least for for, for my money's worth. And it just goes to prove that the Yankees were cheating even before the Astros were. And baseball protects their brands. And I said it earlier this week, James, you know, there's the five big brands, right? There's Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, Cardinals. Those are the five teams that Major League Baseball cares the most about. They don't care about anybody else. They care about those five. Those are the teams that they care about. In particular, the Yankees and those East Coast teams. And you're not surprised. favorite team? Yeah. The commissioner's favorite team growing up? yeah. 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 Okay, got it. Uh, anything surprise you about the letter whatsoever? Yes. What surprised me was the complete, it, it felt like a journalistic failing. And I, and I think this is what it was, it was designed. We've been talking about this for over two years and what the Astros did, how heinous the Astros are. The Astros are the worst thing since the 1919 Chicago White Sox. They're the devil. Uh, yes. And, and, and then, you know, there would be little whispers and, and players would come out and be like, look, this is way more widespread than you think. Like every, like Chris sale, like, like y'all need to chill out. Like this, this is sort of like a, 
this is kind of a league issue. This is not just unique to Houston. And of course, the Astros were using the trash can and nobody else was doing it. Uh, and, you know, I guess that's what an Ivy League education gets you is you, 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 you use the trash can. If you have a trash can available, you use that trash can. Um, the, the sort of the complete shrugging of shoulders from, from the media about sort of this revelation that, that, that the Astros did this heinous thing. The Yankees were doing it first. The Astros just did it better. And, and like, uh, oh yeah, we knew all that. And how Hal Steinbrenner can go from fighting this letter uh, and the release of this letter, which has not officially been unsealed yet, I don't think, but you know, just sort of leak it to some some Yankees friendly media and let them say, "Oh, we already knew all this." You know, what it's not a big deal, uh, and and just so, sort of shape shape the perception of the letter before anyone really has a chance to read the whole thing, uh, and and to go from this this letter is going to cause institutional damage to the Yankees as a franchise to less than two weeks later, everyone's be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. We already knew all that. Uh, is, is journalistic malpractice. Why and do you, but why do you think the Yankees pumped it up that way? I, cause I think they were terrified about what, what was in it. I mean, if, if, if the Yankees are, if, if you know that the commissioner is about to come out and say the Astros did this bad thing, but they learned it because of the New York Yankees, um, you know, it's, it's sort of what you're, you're measuring the, you're trying to evaluate the impact of bank robberies, you know, I mean, the, and which one, which one is worse is, is the bank robbery, uh, is the Astros thing worse because they won the world series and the Yankees didn't. And let's also keep in mind that the Royals have won more pennants since 2009 than the Yankees have. Um, what? Is it is it so bad because the Astros actually won, or is it or is it the the, the Yankees sort of came up with the system first and 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 were doing was doing this years before the Astros? Does that make it worse? And and I don't know that 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 some of the baseball writers weighing in on this. And I've been a I've been a Jeff Passan defender for a long time, and he pissed me off just with the uh yeah it's a nothing burger. I was no, and, and found out that and James the found thing, out that the Yankees invented it. Like like that's got to be worse than. But James, than the you. thing about that is that that kind of offended me. Once again, I'm not an Astros fan, but what offended me was how dismissive he was of the letter and of what the Yankees did. And then he got on the perch of saying, "Well, yeah, they cheated, but it wasn't like what the Astros did." It's, it's, it's this moving. That's, that's why it's moving the field, the the, the field goal post kind of analogy here. You're constantly moving the argument in a different direction. Yeah, and of course, like uh, you, you can't put it in terms of of like attempted murder versus murder. Just because the Astros were successful doesn't make doesn't make it. Uh, I don't I don't know that it makes it worse. It's just, and I guarantee you that if the Yankees had won two world series. I, I still think the, 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 the response to the letter would have been the same. And and the problem is that it just of, of how long, you know, when we go from the athletic article uh, in, in late 2019 to, to now it's just been so long and we're, we're hearing about cheating and, and it's just sort of, you've, you've taken the the wind out of the sails and and now you're finding out yeah this was a league-wide problem the players have been saying this uh but 
but we don't that like baseball writers don't have the attention span or the stamina or or maybe the intelligence to to assess the letter for what it really is and that the Yankees were the ones that came up with the system the the Astros were using trash cans the the Red Sox won a World Series using Apple watches I mean what's what's worse I mean, and and when I read that, I'm like, I clearly don't know how to how to effectively use my Apple Watch. Like, I I don't I don't know what I'm what I don't know what I'm doing with that. I need to use it. I need to be smarter about that. <laughs> but it's the the length of time between the athletic article and now where and I think that was intentional. I think that was the point that you had to you at some point you had to say, yeah, the Yankees were doing this too. So you sit on it for a couple of years and let everyone talk themselves in circles and let the narrative be said that the Astros are, are God awful people. Uh, and, and they tainted the game. Like there's, there's that's the old, that's the takeaway. But, from me. Like but, it, this was totally set up by the league, but to take the sting out of the out James, of this revelation, James, James, you're not an awful person. You're a good person. And we got nothing but love for you. Just remember that my friend. <laughs> no, clearly, clearly. I mean, as an Astros fan, I, I am terrible. Like I, I do hate baseball. <laughs> Uh, I hate the game. Uh, I, I spit on I spit on every tradition uh, that that baseball uh, everything that baseball stands for. James, have a great weekend, my friend. I'm so mad. God bless it. RP three. I tr- try to have a great weekend, and I'm sorry. <laughs> That's James Yasko, who we just set off on the weekend in anger. <laughs> so. That's a that's a bit of a failure by us. We got to take a timeout. We'll update our poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. That's right. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So go register in our clubhouse today so you can have that chance to score the Astros weekend getaway. Let's check in on the poll question of the day while we have a moment here. Since the Saints got their wide receiver and their offensive tackle in the first round last night of the NFL draft, what position should the Saints draft with their second round pick? That's our poll question of the day here on RP3 and Company. They could go 
a plethora of different ways. But right now, 40% of you say they should go D-line linebacker. 24% say DB. 22% of you say they should go running back. There will be plenty of good running backs available for them. And 14% say they should go quarterback. Hart on Twitter says, I could see them getting a running back, but I got a gut feeling if they pass on a safety with second-round pick, that something has been in the works with Tyron. He means Tyron Matthew. I think they put their faith in Werner at linebacker for this year, and a quarterback pick would be like eating crawfish made from someone north of I-10. That's a good comment. (laughs) That's a very good comment. (laughs) North of I-10. Sorry, everyone. I mean, he's throwing shade. You know, Hart's throwing shade there. He is. Throwing shade to everyone north of I-10. Yes. I mean, you're talking Cecilia, Arneville, <laughs> Ville Platte. Maybe he would like to come back and change that reply to folks along the I-20 corridor. Maybe would be a better way of describing that. Mm. Uh, we have a, <laughs> uh, a new poem today. Oh, Salty Steve? Yes. Oh, give us the poem before we have to hit our timeout. Okay. He says, no EMS was needed. Foote's heart is still intact. And the way he tweeted, it seems to be a fact. RP3 is beaming. The picks seem to go his way. But tonight he may be steaming because today is another day. Hannah can now chill in her 9 to 11 spot. Today will be a thrill, but won't come in hot. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you. Salty Steve with the poem. Also, uh, Martin would like some uh, 1037 and 1041 swag because not only did you raise James Yasko's blood pressure because you've raised his and I was weakened as ruined because you don't know how much he despises the Yankees. Well, I mean, everyone that's a baseball fan of another team probably hates the Yankees. So that yes. goes without saying. He says now he will do everything in his power to convert me to a Cowboys fan. Let alone to know, uh, Martin, I will not be becoming a Cowboys fan. I've talked too much shade about the, the Cowboys to do that. That's right. Plus, she has good taste. So... <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself. Uh, yeah, Jerry Jones looking wildly disappointed last night after all the players they wanted were drafted that he just sat there and went, eh, I guess we'll take an offensive lineman. I mean, they needed one, but he didn't seem too thrilled about having to draft one in the first round. Got to take a timeout. We're going to talk all things draft next. Mike Dettelier, that's right. The draft analyst, Mike D, will join us next here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The New Orleans Saints got their men. Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio, out of Ohio State. They had to trade up to get him at 11. 
They gave up their 16th overall pick and then a third and a fourth this year to make it happen with the trade with Washington Commanders. But then they were able to sit back and get their offensive lineman, the big fellow from Northern Iowa. Saints addressed two positions of need. And guess what? They still got to keep their second-round pick for tonight, which they can use in a multitude of ways. Maybe they go running back. Maybe they go DB. Maybe they go defensive line or linebacker. We'll see what happens there. But to recap what the Saints were able to do in the first round of the NFL draft and just about it seemed like teams made sound decisions more than not in the first round of last night's draft. It's time for us to talk with Mike Dettelier. It's time for some Down and Distance. Welcome to Down and Distance with Mike D. Time to discuss the very latest regarding the Bayou Bengals and the Hoodats. Here is college and pro football analyst Mike Dettelier. Mike, good morning. I know it was a late night for you, brother. Appreciate you making the time, bud. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. All right, bud. Let's get right to it. Saints did not go quarterback. They went with getting two guys at positions of need, wide receiver and offensive lineman. And you know what? They even had to trade up to get Olave, but they didn't have to give up a ton. They only gave up a third and a fourth to do it. I thought it was a great night for the Saints with their draft picks, what do you make of what the uh, Houdats did? Yeah, remember, I, I'm a big believer in the drafts about filling needs, okay? You can talk all this horse hockey about best player on the board, but is the best player on the board the biggest need positions you got? Uh, <laughs> I've never believed in that best player on the board stuff. It, it, it comes down to you got to fill some needs, and in the NFL, you just don't have one. You know, every team's got a couple needs they need to fill. And this team needed uh, a guy that can blow the top off coverage, uh, a speed receiver. And we've talked about this now for well over a month, about how the game has changed, how it's played, how it's paid. And... Um, it affected how teams looked at wide receivers. You had six wideouts going to top 20. It has never happened in the history of the National Football League before. And then you see A.J. Brown get traded. Why? He got a four-year, $100 million contract with $57 million guaranteed. There are GMs that have told me flat out, I'm not paying a wide receiver 22 to $25 million a year. So if you want a receiver, you gotta, you better go up and get him. And that's what the Saints did. Um, I had a long conversation with Brian Hartline, who was the wide receiver coach for Ohio State, and he admitted when he recruited Chris Olave, that's not who he wanted. They went to California to recruit a quarterback who decided to stay out West. But in those seven-on-seven seven camps that he was watching, he saw Chris Olave and said, man, we got to go after him. And they started recruiting him. Uh, he is talented, but his biggest feature that I like, he's a hard worker. Man, you watch how he runs a route how he sets up a defensive back, 
his foot movement skills, his ability to catch the ball out front with his hands. That's all about a work ethic, attention to detail. Uh, he was never the guy, so to speak. Uh, Garrett Wilson, when he came out of uh, Texas to go to Ohio State, he was the guy. He was the best wide receiver in the state of Texas, arguably one of the three top wide receivers in the country. That wasn't Olave. And yet, in red zone situations, who they went to? They went to Olave. They trusted he's going to get open. 176 catches, 36 of them went in the end zone at Ohio State. That That's impressive. So he's talented. He's a hard worker, very focused. Uh, but you will see how skilled a route runner he is. And that's a craft. He just is not a speed guy. He does have speed, but he's a guy that has the ability to set you up and gain separation downfield. And I think that's a big plus for the Saints and certainly helps Jameis Winston. They, they needed that guy sort of complement in what they have in Michael Thomas. So now they have Thomas. They're going to have Olave. You're going to have Taysom Hill lining up at tight end. And you got Traquan Smith and Callaway and, and uh, Hardy and all those guys can battle it out to be the number three, number four wide receiver. So wide, wide receiving core is set. And then they sit, Mike, and wait for the big fella out of northern Iowa to fall to them. And sure enough, there they go. They take another guy from a smaller school. They've had a ton of success with that from Teron Armstead and Jahari Evans, just to name a few. Those panned out in a big way for them. What do you make of their second first-round pick? Yeah, he was a guy that um, – it's funny, during the summer, uh, Jim Nagy and I from the Senior Bowl, we were talking about players, and one of the guys he brought up to me said, uh, man, I'm hoping to get, and that's Trevor Penning. Uh, we talked about his athleticism, and, you know, when he came out of high school, he was 6'5", and he admitted to us last night, you know, somewhere between 225 and 230. So he's built like a basketball player. Uh, Iowa Iowa State didn't even talk to him, much less bring him on campus for a recruiting trip. So he goes to Northern Iowa, has a redshirt year, and man, all of a sudden now he's six foot seven, and he's over three hundred pounds. He graded out as one of the top two run blockers in college football last year. He just just beat you. He tries to take you out, so to speak. He's a very aggressive young man. One of the nicest kids you'll meet uh, away from the game. Uh, you know, just country guy, very polite, everything else. But get him on the field, man. It's like he can flip the switch. And as a run blocker, he's really good. Where he needs some work is in the pass protection part of the game. Because now every week you're going to be facing a top guy coming off the edge. And what I see with him a lot of times when he gets beat is because of his body balance skills and his footwork. And that, that you can work on as an offensive tackle. Uh, that ability to shuffle your feet and sort of steer that defensive end out to the edges. It's not about beating him up. 
It's about taking him out of the play. Sometimes he plays a little out of control, and that's when he gets beat. And his emotions get the best of him. So you got to calm his nerves, you know? Uh, this game is about playing under control. I'd much rather he have too much aggression than not enough out on the field. But some of that he's got to curb. So it's a lot about footwork and his body balance skills because six foot seven, you you want to bend at the waist, not at the knees. And so that's something Doug Marone, Zach Street's going to have to work with him with. But he's going to be a starting left tackle in this league because of his work ethic. You know, he was a guy no one wanted really. Small school. And now, you know, he ends up being a first-round pick. So he, he's a guy that, in time, I think will end up being a very good player in the NFL. But it'll take a, a little bit of work to get him right as a pass protector. Well, they got the guys there to help him with that, right? With Zach and, and Doug, those are two great guys to be able to help him and also help Cesar Ruiz, who's still on the roster as well. we got to take a timeout. More with draft analyst and expert Mike Dettelier coming up right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Mike Dettelier rejoins us here on RP3 and Company. We're talking NFL draft. All right, bud, what's going to be the game plan in round two for the Saints? They still have their second-round pick there at number 49. What position do you think they're targeting? Well, there's a big need for a safety. And uh, you look around, you had a couple of them get picked late uh, with Dax Hill and also Lewisine. But uh, Brisker from Penn State still on the board. Also Jalen Petrie. That's a guy, man, I, I really liked. Uh, I spoke to Dave Aranda about him, and Dave told me, Mike, I don't think I've ever given um, a defensive back more leeway than I, I gave Jalen. You know, he, he got recruited. He was a small linebacker, and they, they didn't know exactly where they were going to play him. So he comes in. They tried him at corner. He play, has played in the nickel. He's played free safety, but he was sort of a hybrid guy that they moved all over the board. And so uh, Brisker and, and Jalen Petrie, I think, are two guys to watch for. 
where you can get bang for your buck is a defensive tackle. There are about four guys there. Now, I don't know how many of them will still be there when the Saints pick, but, man, um, that's an area that I think you may see a run on uh, early in round two, early to mid-round two. So I think safety or defensive tackle uh, would be the two areas uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Certainly, you look at safety, it's a need. Defensive tackle, now, they've bulked up there, but I do know who's the co-defensive coordinator. That's Ryan Nielsen. (laughs) And uh, Ryan never got enough defensive linemen, and he'd be the first one to tell you. Mike, let's – Look at the first round. What's the biggest surprise uh, for you that happened in the first round? Cole Strange, uh, who who I like as a player from Tennessee Chattanooga, but he had a late second-round pick grade for me. He goes late in round one. Raymond, I'll be honest with you. If you saw that video that is out now, uh, I've known guys in their little rooms afterwards kind of laughing it up and joking about a pick. I've never saw it done publicly. And you see less need of the Rams and Sean McVay, the head coach, laughing it up. Okay, it comes on the screen. And less need is trying to be diplomatic. Oh, man, that's great. Cole Strange, Tennessee Chattanooga going in round one. And Sean McVay says, well, if it's that good, how come we were looking at him at going at 104 when we pick? In round three. And and laughing it up, I've, I've never seen that before. And basically at Bill Belichick's expense. Uh, that, uh, hey, uh, the great Belichick picking a guy that we were looking at picking in round three and picked him in round one. Uh, that That's unique in the NFL. Were you surprised? You, you rarely see that. Were you surprised we at all about- by the Packers and the Chiefs who both had – two first-round picks and who both lost their number one wide receiving targets in the offseason, and they both went and they and they both went defense with both of their picks. Man, this is shooting the middle finger to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, saying, hey, hey, you got paid. Now we're going to do what we want. We, we cut you the check. Now we're going to do what we want. Uh, surprising that, they, you know, they have not used a first-round pick on a wide receiver or a tight end in 20 years, Green Bay. Was it J- Javon Walker was the last guy? That's it. Oof. Last one. And so, man, that's a long stretch of time. Uh, and they're basically saying, we're going to do things our way. Uh, I think the Chiefs, you're going to see them use multiple receivers in the next couple rounds on wideouts. But, man, um, this is telling you a little bit that all this harmony – that's being portrayed by the Packers, man, ain't nothing but Hollywood. Because you look at what they picked, there's no kiss and make up with Aaron Rodgers. Hey, you got paid, but we're going to run this team our way. Let me ask you this. Only one quarterback taken. No teams reached on quarterbacks, which I was a little surprised by. Pickett goes to the Steelers. Where do you think Malik Willis and maybe some of the other guys land tonight in the round uh, in round number two? I think Malik will have to wait too long in round two, and and I think there'll be probably uh, probably a few teams doing a little maneuvering 
maybe to try to get up in round two uh, to pick Malik. Uh, and then Corral, uh, I think he won't wait real long either uh, for it, along with Desmond Ritter. I think most teams, grade-wise, had every quarterback as a second-round pick, every one of them. And that was no desperation. And sometimes there is. Raymond, you want something so bad, you're willing to, you know, overlook a draft grade to pick them. But in this draft class, it didn't happen. Now, I know the Steelers had uh, Kenny Pickett rated very high. But I would say more than half the teams in the NFL that I spoke to told me we do not have a quarterback rated as a first-round pick. Mike, appreciate your time and your analysis as always. Enjoy the weekend. I know it's going to be a busy one for you, brother. And we'll talk to you next week recapping it all and recapping everything the Saints did from rounds one through seven, brother. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it, Ram. Thank you, buddy. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 8.03 on this Friday morning, final hour of today's show and of the week. Of course, we're recapping all the action from last night's NFL draft. Saints selecting Chris Olave out of Ohio State wide receiver. They trade up from 16 to 11 to get him. Only have to throw in a third and a fourth to the Washington Commanders to make that happen. They get their guy, their speedster, who you just heard Mike Dettelier talk about in hour number two. A great, great route runner. You get a worker, you get a speedster, and you get a guy who understands how to run routes. Hello. And now you think about what the, what that offense is going to look like. Jameis Winston at quarterback. Michael Thomas on one side of the field. Chris Olave on the other. Taysom Hill at tight end. And then you can have Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, and Deontay Hardy lining up as your number three, number four, number five wide receivers. That's what they are. They're not number twos or number ones. The Saints tried to make them that last year. They just weren't. Now you got a ton of weapons for Jameis. And, oh, you also picked up an offensive lineman. Are there concerns about him? You heard Dettelier do a deep dive on the young man from Northern Iowa. He's got the big frame. But sometimes he gets a little loose with things. Sometimes he, you know, gets a little lacks discipline. That can be fixed. As you heard Mike say, he's a worker. And if you're the Saints, you don't have to rush him. You have Hurst, who can be your starting left tackle. The young man that you took out of Northern Iowa at 19, he can learn behind him, learn the technique, be mentored. Once again, Zach Shreve is leaving the broadcast booth. He already left the broadcast booth. He's going to be helping out the Saints with their offensive linemen. Also, they hired Doug Marone to be the O-line coach. So you have two really good guys there. They're going to help develop those offensive linemen. Hell, Doug Marone being on staff, he may be able to fix pond water. Andres Pete, who knows? But they got their guys that they wanted. Wide receiver, O-line. Dettelier says, 
Don't be surprised because of the value that they're going to get. They're going to go D-line here in the second round tonight. D-line, DB, both of those are going to be there. Quality guys, some guys with first-round grades will still be there at those positions. Don't be surprised if the Saints go D-line or DB in the second round, maybe not running back. That leads us to our poll question of the day. What position should the Saints draft with their second-round pick? Lots of activity on this poll question of the day. And right now, 37% of you say D-line linebacker. Going to draft someone in the front seven there with their second-round pick. 25% of you say running back. There'll be plenty of good running backs available. 23% of you say defensive back, and 15% of you say quarterback. John Paul says none of the above, just best available. And they could do that as well. But the Saints like to be aggressive. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade a future pick to trade up in the second round to get the guy they want. That's what they like to do. So keep voting on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hey, if you want to give us a phone call, want to get in here in the final hour to give us your thoughts of how the first round of the NFL draft went, how the Saints approached the draft, how they executed the draft, you need to do so now. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'll talk more about the Saints and what they did with the draft coming up in less than a half hour from right now when John J. Hendricks, our good friend from Sports Illustrated, will join us, Saints beat reporter, to recap the first round and look ahead to round number two. Of course, the Saints and the draft weren't the only big storylines yesterday. Houston Astros won their third straight game as they took the series from the Texas Rangers, winning three of four. Verlander, for a guy coming off Tommy John surgery, he looks magnificent. He's nearly 40 years old, coming off Tommy John, but Verlander was injured nearly two years ago. They didn't rush his return. And he has looked absolutely phenomenal to start the season. He was sensational yesterday, only gave up one earned run. Struck out eight Texas Rangers. And it sure does seem like the Astros are starting to come into form. Look, uh, James Yasko brought it up earlier today about teams. A lot of the teams look sluggish because, remember, because of the lockout, they didn't have the traditional spring training. So they didn't have that. So you're seeing teams come out a little slow out of the gate, so to speak. And some of it has to do with injuries. Some of it just has to do with sluggishness. Astros are a combination of those things. Jose Altuve's banged up. Jordan Alvarez had to miss time. They haven't been necessarily healthy, but you like what you see out of this team. Pena has been very good. The Rook has been called up, and he has delivered. You're starting to see Verlander. He's been dominant on the mound. This team gets healthy. They're going to start stringing together some wins. I still like them to win the American League West. I know it's early in the season and they've struggled, but a lot of teams have started off struggling. They have a big series this weekend in Toronto. The Blue Jays, they can rake. They can hit. They'll have to take on Toronto for a three-game set starting today. You can listen to that game tonight, game one of this three-game weekend series. 
over on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch is scheduled for 6.07. Astros at Blue Jays. And of course, don't forget about the New Orleans Pelicans. It all comes to an end for them last night. This is how I kind of expected this. I did not expect Chris Paul to be, I don't know, absolutely magnificent and have a playoff performance of all time. He was perfect from the field. He went 14 of 14. And Devin Booker, coming off the injury, there was talk of him playing anyway because they wanted to close out New Orleans and be done with it. Booker comes in. He makes a a key late three-pointer in this game as the Phoenix Suns defeat the New Orleans Pelicans 115-109. to They eliminate New Orleans. Great scene afterwards with Willie Green crying, being emotional because he has such a connection with the Suns and their that coaching staff and some of their players. And you see the emotion. You see how he reacts. You saw how this team played for Willie this year as a rookie head coach without Zion Williamson. They started off terrible. But the fact that this team was able to find a way to get into the play-in tournament, win both of their play-in tournament games, and then push the Phoenix Suns, your defending Western Conference champions, to a six games? Bravo. Bravo. And the core that they have, that they kind of put together just this year, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, the rookies they they selected, huge impact players for them. Herb earlier on, more so than Murphy, but Trey came on late. Jose Alderivo, a revelation for him. He is sparked. That's another rookie they have. B.I. is an all-star. He's really the face of the franchise. Sorry, Zion. It's just that's how it is. C.J. McCollum, great veteran pickup at the trade deadline. They have a great core. Jackson Hayes developed this year, and they're going to get Zion back next year. Oh, and by the way, they have the Lakers' top 10 pick. Great foundation season for the Pels this year. I would not be surprised if you see them make a jump up to being a top four seed next year, just like Memphis did this year when they went from playing tournament team to the two seed. I could see a a similar jump for the Pels next season. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Chris to the show. Chris, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, first I want to say, man, I really enjoyed the Mike Dettelier interview. Uh, man, it's always great when you can have him on this show. I've been listening to Mike Dettelier since years and years when he used to be with Buddy Deliberto and and, uh, and Kenny Wilkerson. Oh, you know, Buddy D. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, he always offers such great insight. I wanted to give uh, my perspective on uh, last night's draft. So uh, my prediction was that the Saints were going to trade up, and but I thought they'd be going offensive linemen. But, uh, you know, I want to say – you know, the receiver and got the guy they wanted. The more and the more I listen to Mike Gatillier talk about it and look at it, it was a position of need. I, I love it. The position of need. You're getting a guy that's a speed guy that could turn out to be something good. It also uh, if you could pair him with Michael Thomas or in the case that you need to uh, you know, shop Michael Thomas around. Just saying. But I'm gonna tell you, man, I was so happy with Trevor Penning with that pick. When I, you could see coming a mile away. Uh, it was a position of need. And when you have 
these positions are needed sometime. We as Saints fans, we want guys that we think they should pick. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't turn out that way. And so I think this guy's got a nasty streak to him, man. I, I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm excited about that pick. Now I want to talk about I want to talk about the next pick right here, the position of need, in my opinion. All right, bud, go ahead. Our running, our running backs, man. I, I don't know. I, I hope everybody knows, man. Alvin Kamara could miss some time. Right now, we got uh, Mark Ingram and Tony Jones Jr. I think I think if somebody in the second round is there that the Saints are high on that could come in. Once again, position of need. Go ahead and look at him and take us a good running back. Y'all have a great day and who that. Chris, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day and enjoy your weekend. Like I said, I would not be surprised if they go running back here in the second round. I really wouldn't because you didn't have a single running back selected in the first round. So you're going to have a lot of talented guys that dropped. And the fact that they don't have a third and a fourth now because they traded those picks to trade up in the first last night that they could, in theory, say, okay, you know what? We're going to take best player available. Maybe the safety that we had on our board isn't there. Maybe the defensive lineman isn't there. Maybe there's a run that happens before the Saints pick and there's a stud running back that's on their board just waiting for them. I could see them going that that direction. Once again, Kamara's going to likely face a suspension. Mark Ingram's on the backside of his career. And Tony Jones Jr., even though he was hurt last year, when he did play, he wasn't very good. That is a position of need. And you could always still address safety by signing Tyron Matthew after the draft's over. You could still do that. So, be interesting to see. They could go running back. It could go D-line. If you ask me right now what I think they're going to do, it's probably D-line, then DB, then running back. Just that's how the Saints. But once again, it all it's all going to determine on how the second round starts to shake out because you'll see teams make a run. The quarterbacks that will be selected, that may change things, and there may be a great D-lineman right there ready for them or a safety that just falls in their lap. Because teams are making runs on Reader and Corral and Malik Willis. So we'll see. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil the game changer of the week phone call. That's right. That's coming up next right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. P3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beat twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's Sports Station.
Welcome back to RP3 and Company. It's 821. We're less than 10 minutes away from our buddy John J. Hendricks joining us from Sports Illustrated. He's going to break down everything the Saints did in the first round of the NFL draft. Look ahead to round number two as well. Just a reminder, LSU Tigers are going to be taking on the Georgia Bulldogs at Alex Box Stadium for a three-game series between a pair of top 20 ranked programs. That begins tonight. First pitch from Baton Rouge is set for 6.30 and can be heard right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Houston Astros, they began a three-game set with the Toronto Blue Jays on the road in the Great White North. You can listen to first pitch of tonight's game, one of that series. It's scheduled for 6.07, but you can listen to the game live on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. So we'll have LSU baseball tonight from the box versus Georgia right here on the game. We'll have Houston Astros live from the Great White North taking on the Toronto Blue Jays on our sister station tonight, News Talk 98.5 FM. Poll question of the day. Got to keep voting on that. You still have time. What position should the Saints draft with their second round pick. They're right now at 49. Now, the Saints have been known to trade up in the second round from time to time. And if they really like a guy, they may do that. But I feel like they may stand pat because you're going to see a run on quarterbacks. You may even see a run on running backs. So they may have a great defensive lineman or possibly a great defensive uh, defensive back just kind of fall to them. A guy that may even have a late first round grade or an early second round grade just absolutely falls to them. So what position should the Saints draft with their second round pick? 37% of you right now. Actually, nope, someone just voted. Sneaking in there. 36% of you say Saints should draft D-line or linebacker with their second round pick tonight. 24% of you say running back, 24% of you also say defensive back, and then 16% of you say quarterback. Look, I would not be surprised whatsoever if with their second-round pick tonight, they take a defensive lineman. And I know some of you are going to groan about that, and some of you are going to be like, oh. But this is a co- This is a team now led by a defensive-minded coach, a former longtime defensive coordinator. This is a franchise that values D-line. There's four positions they tend to draft and prioritize in the first two rounds of the draft and have done so for the better part of 10-plus years. And that's O-line, D-line, DB, wide receiver. That's what they do. They already got their wide receiver last night. They already got their offensive lineman last night. What's still on the table? And I would not be surprised if they pass on a running back, even though I believe there's going to be quality running backs available for them to take, they're probably going to pass on them because they love defensive linemen and they believe you can't have enough. You can't have enough D linemen. And for their purposes, that's kind of true, right? So many of their guys have been banged up or suspended last year. You know, Davenport, their first-round pick out of Houston, he barely played. Cam Jordan's not getting any younger. David Onyemata's on a one-year deal. Many people expect him to walk after this coming season. So 
maybe defensive line is a need. And maybe they'll address that tonight with their second-round pick. Be interesting to see what they will do tonight with that second-round pick. Let's get to some comments on Facebook. Blake says, DB, we need secondary help. And don't talk bad about my Mets. Best record in baseball. Put some respect on them. Let me go ahead and just say this now. As a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan, I hate the Mets. I despise them. I support Chipper Jones's decision back in the day to name his uh, one of his sons Shea because of how well he performed in Shea Stadium, the home of the New York Mets. Are they having a nice start to the season? Yes. Are they a poorly ran franchise? Absolutely. Will I openly root against them at every possible turn? You betcha. That's just me. But they do get enough respect. I'll say that. They've had a nice start to the season. And if you are a Mets fan, can't believe I'm saying this, look at the teams recently out of the National League East. Nationals win the World Series. Braves kind of come out of nowhere and win the World Series. Could the Mets be next? I don't know. They spend the money. They're just poorly ran. Not good ownership there. And not a great front office. But you could see that. You could see that happen. So yes, do the Mets deserve respect? Absolutely. I will begrudgingly give your Mets some respect, even though I still hate them. I can do both things. I'm capable. Keep those comments coming. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. But right now, while we still have a few minutes before bringing on John J. Hendricks, we do this every week. We go through the week's worth of phone calls from all of you, and we pick our favorite one, what we deem the game changer of the week, and here it is. Here is this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Good morning, brother, on this Way Back Wednesday edition of the show. How you doing? What's on your mind? Oh, I'm doing good. Good morning, Mr. Ball, beautiful one. <laughs> uh, Thank you, bud. <laughs> uh, I just um, wanted to, to kind of talk about, you know, uh, the Yankee situation or whatever, you know. I'm a um, diehard Boston Red Sox fan, but I'm a fair Red Sox fan, and I agree 100% that they should have been penalized as well, you know, for, you know, the sign stealing or whatnot. And I do agree that, you know, um, Alex Cora shouldn't be managing the team because it just kind of gives us a bad reputation. But, I mean, no matter what you do, Yankees fans are going to always complain. They're going to always try and find because they they can't accept the fact that their glory days are done. And getting, like, the most flashiest players, the highest place players, hardly ever, ever works. Refer to the Los Angeles Lakers. Refer to the New Jersey Nets. It hardly ever works because they got egos and it really never your meshes. But I just wanted to say Joe Torre is not walking in that locker room. Tino Martinez is not walking in that locker room. Bernie Williams is not walking in that locker room. So the glory days are over. Just face the fact. Shoot, they probably trying to find some evidence saying that the Braves cheated last last year to 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 win the World Series. But no matter what they do, they they always gonna complain. That's why I'm a Red Sox fan. And uh, I got one request before I let you go, Mister Mister RP3. What you got, brother? Next uh next time Louis Prejean comes in in the studios. 
could we please get a chair dance off between him and Hannah Five Names to, to <laughs> crown the undisputed chair dance off champion? And y'all have a good day. And the NFL draft is one day away. We're yeah, on the, the, the eve. So hopefully, uh, Foot made it. The day is here. Unfortunately, he's got to wait 48 more hours, but we're going to make it. Have a good one, buddy. You too, brother. That was this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer of the Week. Shout out to Martin being the Game Changer of the Week this week. Appreciate everyone who called in this week. We love to hear from you. Always remember, just give us a call. We always love to hear from you. Game hotline's always open. 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, John J. Hendricks. From Sports Illustrated, Saints reporter is going to join us. He's going to give his thoughts on how the Saints handled round one. Look ahead to round two. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 29th, 1980. The New Orleans Saints selected Colorado offensive tackle Stan Brock with the first selection of that NFL's draft. Brock would play 13 seasons with the franchise. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place this Saturday. That's right, tomorrow in River Ranch. Look, the festivities are going to begin at 8 a.m. and the non-competitive walk begins at 9.15. For more information, if you want to take part in it or if you just want to help out, go visit greateracadianaheartwalk.org. That's greateracadianaheartwalk.org. Or simply contact Donna Ashcraft at Donna.Ashcraft at heart.org. Once again, Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will be taking place tomorrow morning in River Ranch. Don't forget to keep voting on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll get to them before we close out today's RP3 and company. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football with our buddy John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated. It's time for the Big Easy Blitz. Houdin is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. John, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Good morning. I'm doing well. Um, a little bit rested after last night, so but you know, hey, I'm in it for the long haul, right? <laughs> there it is. All right, brother. Uh, tell me why did the Saints decide they needed to trade up all the way to 11 to get a wide receiver? Well, look, I, I tell you this, that I, I think it's somehow or somewhat related to how things transpired with some of the other picks going off the board. And, 
you know, look, in talking to Dennis Allen, um, this is a guy that they really liked a lot. Uh, and so, look, he kind of put it best that when you have a guy like that that you covet, you make the move. And so when you look at the trade aspect, um, if you're using, like, Jimmy Johnson's draft pick trade evaluator, you know, the formula he came up with in the 80s and 90s, look, the Saints didn't overpay for this pick. And, you know, again, they didn't have to part with 19. They were able to keep keep it. So, I think it was a good trade, and look, I feel like they got a real home run here. Um, you know, I, again, it's kind of telling where they see the offense a little bit, not getting Davison Williams, but look, Chris Olave is going to pay off in a huge way for this team. And the other thing about it, John, they didn't have to give up their second-round pick. Like, I don't know what the Washington Commanders were thinking. That right. They, they, they only picked up a third and a fourth this year. Like that's all they got essentially for swapping picks. I was surprised by this uh, by that. And credit Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland, they were able to keep that second round pick, who's going to be an impact player, possibly even a starter for this team whenever they select them tonight. Yeah, look again. I love the fact that they were able to keep forty nine. And, and again, you're going to have to look at and see. Obviously, it's hindsight. We'll see how this pays off in the next couple of years. But look, I think it was a, again a fantastic trade. I think it was necessary given how things played off, and, and again, leave it to the Saints to start all the craziness that happened in the NFL draft. I mean, things just got nuts after what the train, uh, Saints did what they did. And so, um, look, again, you like it, and I, I think when you look back at it, we've talked about it on your show, but, look, getting two positions of need was always the, the thing that they needed. I'd never bought the quarterback talk. Again, they could get it today. Uh, get a quarterback but you know not not using a pick in the first round for a quarterback it would just not made sense to me but again um again you get a guy who's going to start who's going to do really well in on the next level he's going to fit well and um you know look Jameis Winston having weapons again I think that's the, the best course of action get him loaded up with guys who's going to help him out they also get a guy that can come in and play right away and we had Mike Dettelier on earlier and he talked about the thing that really stands out about Alave is not only his speed, because he's fast, he's got great hands, but he runs routes like a pro already. How much of an impact can the rookie wide receiver make in this offense? I mean, it's vast. It's tremendous, right? And so, you, of course, you get Michael Thomas back, and so that's a huge thing in itself. But, you know, again, now it's an it's upgrade there. And so, again, route running is definitely one of the best aspects of his game, but he just makes everything look so natural and smooth. And, again, he looks like a guy that has been doing this for a long time. And, of course, he's, he's coming in as a rookie. But, again, there's a lot of elements to his game that you just look at him, you see film on him, you look at plays he makes, and it just kind of leaves you with your jaw dropped a little bit because, man, he just makes everything look so, so easy. And so, Again, it's a, you can make jokes or say, man, this is another Ohio State guy or whatever you want to say, but this is one of my top wide receivers. I mean, definitely top five, definitely a guy that I, I thought was going to be there. I was a little surprised that Drake London went a little bit earlier than in some, but as the Falcons, but he's more of your Michael Thomas type of guy. But, you know, with Alave, there's a lot of different ways you can use him in the offense, whether it's slot, whether you run an outside but a vertical threat. I mean, this guy is going to be able to do all, everything and then some for the Saints, and it's going to bode well for their offense who's really need, needed this pick. We're talking with John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated. He covers the Saints. He joins us here for the Big Easy Blitz on RP3 and company. All right, bud, they trade up. They don't really have to give up all that much to get their guy at wide receiver. 
And then they're able just to sit there and let the draft come to them. And they take the big fella out of northern Iowa. He he has some things that he has to work on. He's not as ready to get rolling as, say, Alave is. But they get themselves the tackle that they coveted as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, again, um, you know, I asked him last night, and he met with the Saints a lot of times. I mean, he met at the Combine, at Senior Bowl, Pro Day. I mean, the Saints were definitely in on this guy. And so, uh, you know, look, and we also got to talk to Jim Nagy last night, too, um, and just kind of get his thoughts. And so, again, even with Alave, there's not like – there's no prospect that you come in this draft and say, man, they're just perfect, refined, they're just that, right? They're going to have elements of their game that they're going to have to work on, in particular pinning, you know, and some of the knacks again against him were the penalties and such. So you look at those penalties, most of those were against run, and he's a huge run defender. Does need some work and refinement in the pass protection. But, look, again, you look at this guy, and, and again, I think a lot of Saints fans can draw comparisons, myself included, but it kind of, like, resembles Kyle Turley but I think he has a lot more upside to his game. And so, again, I really am excited about this pick. I know he's a guy that, you know, you get that mauler mentality, that brawler, whatever you want to call him. But this guy can move. He's fast. He put on his display, his speed display. He's going to be able to get in space and just really just knock guys into next week. And so that physical play is really going to help the Saints. And, of course, he's going to have to come in and earn his roster spot. Same thing with Alave. I mean, it's probably a little bit easier for him being what position he plays, but obviously he's going to have to beat out James Hurst. Um, but, you know, again, the Saints got a really good one here with with Penning, and again, I just don't think you can be upset with how they, they tackled this draft. They stay, Pat, they get their wide receiver, they get their offensive lineman, they keep their second-round pick. So now let's turn our attention to tonight, John, because they're going to have a wealth of guys that they can pick from. They could go DB. I'm sure there's going to be some really good safeties available there in the second round. They could go running back if they wanted to because not a single running back was taken in the first round. Or they could go with the tried and true position they love to draft, defensive line. There'll be a lot of quality guys there. Where do you think Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and company are going to go tonight with their second round pick? Look, I, I think there's a couple of different schools of thought. And, again, I could see a lot of them making sense. I could see the case for safety. I could see the case for linebacker. I could see doubling up on wide receiver, even though some people may, well, that probably wouldn't make the most sense to me. But, again, I, I could see it. I just think it could happen. I, for me, again, I look at the aspect of tight end could make sense. The safety could make sense. But I'm not so convinced that, you know, they don't they won't look at, at resign or signing up uh, – Torah and Matthew after everything's said and done. So that leaves the door open for sure if they wanted to do that. But again, for me, I think it's a pretty luxury pick. Linebacker, I'd be in favor of. I think I'd also be in favor of wide receiver. I could see the tight end spot. Defensive interior, maybe not as much. Definitely not edge. A running back this early, I don't know because now you're looking at a situation where you're not going to pick again until round five. So this is your one and only pick. But for me, I'd probably look at linebacker um, personally, and then if not linebacker, then I'd look at another wide receiver tight end. That's interesting, uh, John, that you say that they maybe go wide receiver because, you know, Traquan's on a one-year deal, and it's not like uh, he's really impressed them all that much. And we saw it last night with wide receiver. There could come a day where they maybe decide to trade Michael Thomas because look at all these star wide receivers – 
that have been traded this offseason because teams don't want to pay them the max deals and they trade them to a team that will. And it happened again last night in the draft. That was the big surprise of the draft was the uh, was was the trade by the Titans, right? Yeah, look, I mean, it's the things that nobody really wants to talk about, right? I mean, again, that's why I think it makes sense. It's just even from a depth perspective, you want to push guys like Marquez Callaway. You want to push Traquan Smith. I mean, Deontay Hardy's back, and, and again, that's that's good and all, and they have some guys that are reserve future, you know, guys that could potentially make something of themselves. But, again, you just look at it, and if you're going to let Jameis Winston cook, you can't just bank on Michael Thomas alone. Chris Olave is going to definitely help, but Thomas has got some things to prove, and Again, I, I, I would bet on Thomas, but again, you look across the league at some of these wide receiving cores and Traquan Smith, I, I don't know where he really stacks up if you're saying he's a, a, as far as a third receiver option or even a fourth receiver option. I mean, I know he does well in blocking and Saints always covet that, but you look at some of these other wide receiver trios and you look at the future potentially and, and again, uh, just what you're getting and you're you're pretty much essentially on Jameis for two years, and um, you know outside of that, we'll see what happens. But again, getting another wide receiver, and given how the movement has been there, I, I think it makes sense. All right, Bud, give me your biggest takeaway from what you saw from round one of this year's NFL draft. Well, it's about as it, it didn't disappoint because it was as crazy as many people thought it was going to be. So. I'm happy with that. The fact that, you know, the unknown and it's it just one of those situations where, you know, I'm, I'm happy about the quarterback stuff, you know, because I know a lot of people paired quarterbacks to Saints. I just they never got it. And so I think that's probably what I'm happiest about is the fact that they didn't waste the pick and getting a quarterback in the first round. They addressed their needs that they needed to. But overall, the draft was, was pretty nuts. And, um, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's good for ratings, good for TV, it's good for columns, all that good stuff. But, Man, um, you know, it's just good to see fans back in the in full force, too. So I'm really excited and can't wait to see what they do tonight. Let's go past tonight, John. When it's all said and done, the dust settles. What do you think is going to still be the biggest need for the Saints once the draft is in the books? I think it's probably safety, and obviously they're going to have to fill out their roster. I mean, that's the other thing. And so uh, Mickey Loomis kind of touched on it earlier this week and, and just kind of talked a little bit about that process that, look, you know, they're only going to have 70 guys maybe uh, on the roster. And so they're going to have guys that, you know, potentially come back. You know, guys like Ken Crawley might get a look. You have guys like uh, Quan Alexander. Maybe you look at him. Again, we talked on, about Teron Matthew. I think he's obviously somebody that could potentially be linked up if they don't draft somebody, you know, to, uh, tonight to potentially feel their needs. So I think that's the biggest thing is that they're going to have a lot of more roster spaces to address here afterwards. And, again, how they do it, that's going to be what, what we have to pay attention to. But, I, again, there's a lot of things that could make sense. It'll be pretty telling how they do after tonight. Um, you know, I'm in favor of even packaging five and six picks, the round five and six picks, and trading up in day three and just kind of being done. Uh, four picks, I don't think that would be a bad thing. Oh, to, out John, John, time out, time out. I, I like I like what you did there. It's very subtle. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. You said I wouldn't mind if they took you know those those fifth and sixth round picks and traded them up and just be done with it. You want them to do that so you can be done with what you have to do, brother. <laughs> nah, that's not the case. I just feel like you get your best players available, and then really that's what you've been <laughs> focusing on is getting the needs. So that's that's getting the needs and then being done with it. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. 
Keep up the tremendous work there with Sports Illustrated, bud. I know it's going to be a tiring weekend, but uh, just go ahead, attack it with veracity, and then uh, get you some rest on Sunday, my friend. Always, man. Appreciate you. It's John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated joining us, breaking down what the Saints did in the first round, what he expects them to do in rounds two, and what they could do after they wrap up the draft. He still likes Tyron Matthew. It's a big, I keep hearing a lot of chatter about that, that the Saints are just going to wait till after the draft to lock up the Honey Badger. We'll see if that happens. Got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Reminder, live LSU baseball can be heard right here on the game tonight as the Tigers take on the Georgia Bulldogs in a battle between a pair of top 20 ranked programs. You can listen to first pitch from Alex Box Stadium, 6.30 tonight. Once again, you can listen to live LSU baseball, SEC baseball at that, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Also, Houston Astros opening up a three-game series at the Toronto Blue Jays. You can listen to that game from the Great White North, courtesy of our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch is scheduled for 6.07. So you have live LSU baseball right here on the game tonight. You'll have live Houston Astros baseball on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. I'm going to take a moment to thank all of our guests for making today's RP3 and company. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park today. Give it up to James Yasko, even though I ruined his weekend by bringing up the Yankees letter. He was still gracious with his time. Our friend from the Lima Time Time podcast, talking all things Houston Astros. They have seemingly turned a corner. Can they build up some momentum with this weekend road trip to Toronto? Mike Dettelier, best guy in the business to talk draft with. He broke it down about what the Saints did how their approach is going to be, and his overall thoughts about the big surprises going on last night in the NFL draft. No one reached for quarterbacks. They didn't go crazy about it. And people tended to make sound decisions, which is a big surprise. The only big bad decision, in my opinion, was why did they make the guys have to walk a country mile to get to the stage, man? Could you put the green room a little bit closer? I know it's Vegas, but come on. It was cool seeing the cards you know, up in the hallway with all the teams and everything. But you made those guys. It took forever. It was like watching a comedy special. It took forever. Mike D broke it all down, though, for us. And, of course, John J. Hendricks, our friend from Sports Illustrated, also recapping what the Saints did last night for the draft. We had a poll question of the day, and we're going to get right to it. Now that they got their wide receiver and their offensive lineman in the first round, once again, in case you've been in a coma for the last 14 hours, the Saints traded up from 16 to 11, only gave up a third and a fourth to do it. 
with the Washington Commanders. They take Chris Olave, wide receiver at Ohio State, keep that Buckeye pipeline coming to New Orleans. Then they wait for the big fella out of Northern Iowa. The tackle, they take him at 19. They still have their second-round pick tonight at number 49. There'll be a slew of different options for them there. Could they take best player available? Do they covet a safety? Maybe it's defensive line or possibly another wide receiver. That's what John J. Hendricks told us. Poll question of the day, final results. What position should the Saints draft with their second-round pick? 36% of you say D-line or linebacker should be what the Saints go with tonight with their second round pick 25 percent say running back 22 percent say defensive back and only 17 percent of you say quarterback steve on twitter says i like texas a&m running back isaiah spiller he has the run and pass catching abilities that the saints will need when ak gets his suspension i've heard a lot of that spiller would be a good fit i do believe in pete carmichael's offense as well so thanks to all who voted on our poll question of the day Thanks for all who called this morning. Appreciate you making us part of your morning. That's going to do it for today's show. For the intern extraordinaire, Rebecca. Becca wraps up her internship today. She's graduating. Congratulations. Best of luck to you in your career. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again on Monday from six to nine but until then be safe out there be kind to one another kevin foot and footnotes is up next you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station